That was real bad. You just got that? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, so uh, we've been uh, taking a couple weeks just to walk through um, some uh, things um, uh, at both campuses, um, just talking through uh, really just, um, just the life of a disciple, what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, and, and uh, just talking about a couple of things as a church, um, about how we view that, how we talk about and teach what it is to follow Christ, and to have practices, habits, disciplines, as you want to call them, pathways in which we can uh, further grow in our relationship with God, connect with Him, uh, grow stronger in uh, who we are uh, in Him and our understanding of Him. And so we uh, spent a week, um, a while ago, um, four weeks ago, and talked about the importance of Scripture and uh, taking time to read Scripture, to understand Scripture, to make that something that's a practical part of our life. And so we took some time to walk through that and to uh, express the importance of it. And, and then we really just kind of walked through and said, yes, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, I should be regularly reading Scripture. It should be something that I'm doing on a regular basis and looking into. We looked at Scripture's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says, All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so some of those words, rebuking and correcting, we're not the biggest fans of, right? Um, but the, the good servant um, being thoroughly equipped, that sounds good to us, right? But even as a follower of Christ, we should be excited about the correcting, the rebuking, that God, through his word, can use his his word to speak to us, to change us, to help us to see areas that we need to grow in, areas that we need to stop doing things in, that his word truly provokes in us an understanding of who he is and what he wants of us. And that the more time we spend in his word, the more we begin to discover of what he wants of us and how we are to live that out and what he's given us so that we're able to do that, right? And so we talked about the importance of scripture. We also talked about the importance of prayer and, and how we should spend time in prayer um, and just walking through that, it was funny because we asked, you know, how many of you, you know, how easy is it for you to pray? You know, how many struggle with prayer? And everybody, you know, raised their hands except for Celeste. You know, how many of you guys love praying, right? And everybody kind of kept their hands down except for Celeste, right? And so she's like, afterwards, she's just like, she's like, I, I feel so awkward, but I really do like prayer and I really do love it. I was like, don't be insecure. That's awesome. We just want to be like you, right? And so, um, but no, like, I mean, you look at Celeste and you look at her life. There's so many people in this room and there's so many people, uh, even at the Newport News campus, as they served there for so long, and, and even over at, at, at Life Church, when I've gone to speak there and I've been there, there's people, when you hear Celeste's name, they're just like, man, she spends time with God, and she just knows things, right? And, and, and that's just the reality. That's the importance of prayer, that when we're spending time with God, that it's not just so much us just saying, okay, I'm going through, and I've got to take the stuff that, that I want done and kind of say, God, will you, right? It's not to go through and say, I've got this wish list and man I would just like for these to happen God can you please right and, and, and that's not what prayer is prayer is a time for us to commune with God and to be connected with him prayer is more about our hearts being changed towards his heart than it is about God doing our commands and wishes and when you spend time in his word, his word begins just to mean something to you and it begins to speak to you and, and you begin to realize who God is and how powerful he is and you begin to realize all the things that he's done and, and, and you just really stand in awe of who God is. You just, wow, this, this, 
man, this God is so powerful, the things that he's done. And you just begin to be amazed with him. And as you're amazed with him, you begin to look at the world with wonder, right? And you begin to look at all that he's done. And you begin to look at your life and how he's changed you. And that sense of awe and that sense of wonder, it moves you into this place that you want to be present with him. And that's what prayer is, is just us being present with God, talking with him, having a conversation with God. Yes, are there prayers in which we go to God and say, God, I, I need this done, and I, I don't know what is going to happen if it doesn't get done, and, and I'm looking at me, and I'm looking at my resources and my capabilities, and it's not going to happen, you know? So I need you to intervene. Yeah, there, there's moments, right? Yeah, there, there's moments where we say, God, you know what? I would really like to have this happen, right? There are those types of prayers, but the main sense of our prayer life should be that we just want to be with God, that we want to talk with God. And as we do that, in combination, spending time in prayer, God begins just to shape us and move us, and we begin just to know things. We begin to understand God's heart. We begin to live differently, think differently, talk differently, because we've been in his presence, and as we've been in his presence, he's changed us. He's shaped us. He's moved us to be more like him, to care like him, to love like him. And, and, and so that's why it's important for us as followers of Christ to take time and, and spend time in prayer. And so today we're going to look at another one, and uh, we're going to talk about the importance of fellowship. Now, if you haven't been a part of the church for a while, or, or maybe you haven't heard us talk about this um, in any way, uh, as a church, um, you know, what we talk about when it comes to discipleship, we have a model of discipleship that we follow. It's called the 1, 6, 12, and the 24. And, and we believe there's one promise that God's given us, and that promise is, is that, that when we look to Jesus and we chase, that, chase after Jesus, that he will make us like him, that we will be able to live a life that imitates him, that, that reflects him, that shows him. And that is the promise that he has given us. And, and so we believe that as we chase after him, that we look to him and we bring others in that journey, that there are things that we are commanded to do, that we should do, that we should walk through. And those are six commands that we have just identified. Yes, there's more in scripture, but there's six that if, if we're sitting there walking through these six things and we're being obedient to the things uh, in, in these general scopes that Jesus teaches us, it helps us to begin to experience the life that God has for us and, and we begin to understand what he's asking of us. And the beautiful thing about scripture is is, is that as we see in scripture and we see in our life with, with God, that God doesn't just say, here, I want you to do this, go figure it out. God says, here's what I want you to do and here's the way to do it. And so there's these commands that he's given us and then we believe there's these 12 pathways that he's given us, ways to discover God, ways to connect with God, ways to grow into God. It's a pathway that when you walk on it, it's gonna take you to the destination it's intended to take you right? And so these 12 pathways, and so we're, we're not talking about all 12, we're not walking all through. You can go to our website, citylifeva.com. You can find all of what I just talked about. Um, I promise you don't want me to go through it because I'll keep even longer today, all right? Um, <laughs> But we've talked, about, we've talked about scripture, which is one of our pathways. We've talked about prayer, which is one of our pathways. And today, I, I lumped three together in the term of fellowship. And uh, the three that I've lumped together would be relationship, um, it would be accountability, and it would be service. And all three of those pathways are ones in which our relationship with each other is interconnected. That when we understand as followers of Christ that my life and my journey with Christ impacts your life and your journey with Christ, that it exposes me to the life that God wants me to live, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we've been reading uh, through Romans chapter 6 and just using this as our launch point. So I'm going to read this, pray, and then we're going to see what happens from there. All right, Romans chapter 6, verse 13. 
Don't even run little errands. I'm reading from the message translation just so you know. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Jumping down to verse 17, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. Jumping to verse 22, but now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do, and you've discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise, a whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your, past, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. Father, that's our hope. God, that's what we're talking about today. Lord, we're not talking about things that if we do these and we add it this and we add this and we do it this right way, that then you might show up. God, what we're talking about is, is that you're a real God who wants to be present and active in our lives. And God, you've given us ways to connect with you. You've given us ways to discover you. And God, we pray, Lord, that as we look at these things, God, that you will excite us. God, that you will work in us to develop a passion, not just for these things, but for you. God, that we see, Lord, that there is a way to connect with, there's a way to grow in you, but God, let us see more importantly that you want to be with us. God, let us believe, as your scripture talks about, that when we are united with you, when we are present with you, God, that there is nothing that we can't ask for, there's nothing that we can't believe to happen. God, that you, in our unity with you and each other, actually reveals your glory and reveals your truth in this world. God, I wanna be a part of that. God, help us, Lord, today to see that. In your name we pray, amen and amen. So we've been walking through and just talking a little bit about what does it actually mean to be a Christian? What does it actually mean to be a Christian? Because a lot of times, especially in our culture, um, we'll say, hey, I am a Christian. Uh, depending on what polls you want to look at and things that are still present uh, today in our culture, some polls would even say that 80% of the culture in America would say that they are Christians, right? Now, when you look at other polls and you actually start getting into that and talking about, is Jesus Lord of your life, that drastically changes, but the idea of what it is to be a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian, is an important one for us to ask ourselves, and it's important for us to walk through and say, man, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Because I don't want to just say it in word, I want to mean it in heart, right? I, I really want to know, truly know, hey, am I signing up for this thing, or am I just like, hey, you know what, I should go find something else to do on Sundays, right? And, uh, and so what does it mean to be a Christian? One of the things we talked about is that we saw in, in, the, uh, in the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 11, we actually see there where uh, Paul was coming back and, and they were teaching there. And that's one of the first instances we actually see the word Christian used um, in all of the church. And, and a Christian says all the disciples were gathered together, right? All the disciples were gathered together and uh, they were called Christians at Antioch for the first time. So a Christian is a disciple, right? And what is a Christian? What is a disciple? They're interchangeable. They're not, they're not different words. They're, they're one and the same, right? A Christian is a disciple. A disciple is a Christian. We, a disciple is a follower of Christ. A Christian is someone like Christ, right? So it's a sense that we're following, that we want to be like, that we want to be connected to. That's what a Christian is. And so we've talked about a disciple, a Christian, is a follower of Jesus, 
A disciple, a Christian, is a person who knows true life because of Jesus Christ. You know that without Jesus, there's nothing that you can do. But you know with Jesus, you have every opportunity to do anything that he calls you to. Right? When you look at your life, you say, without Jesus, man, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm a mess, right? I mean, just look at me, right? And some of us are like, yeah, I know, look at you, right? But then we look at ourselves and we're like, oh my goodness, right? I'm a mess too, right? Without Jesus, there's nothing we can do. And there's nothing we can be. There is no sense of hope. But with Jesus, there's every reason for hope right? There's every reason to be whole. There's every reason to be healed. There's every reason to stand up and say, man, God's called me to live a life with him that can make me whole and can help me to do anything he wants me to do. A person, a disciple is a person who stands in awe and wonder at the fact that they are a child of God. I mean, when was the last time we just stopped and you just, you just thought about the fact that you are a child of God and just sat there and said, holy cow, how awesome is that, right? I mean, just to sit there and to think about, I, I, I talk about it all the time. One of my favorite things to say, and you're probably like, yeah, after I point this out, you know, it's that glass shattery moment. I'm going to point it out. And now you're going to hear me say it all the time, right? And you're like, he does say that a lot. That's kind of annoying, right? But um, have you ever had those moments with somebody, right? Right? You ever had those moments, right? There's something that was revealed to me about somebody else. And I was like, no, now I'm going to see that all the time. And it's going to drive me crazy, right? So, but anyway, so I, all the time I was talking about, you know, the God of the universe, the God that breathed the stars into existence. That God cares about me and cares about the details of my life. I mean, when I stop and I think about that, I truly ponder on that on a regular basis because that blows my mind, Right? I mean, you think about, there's still, I mean, today, they're discovering more and more and more galaxies existing today, right, than we ever thought possible. And, and there's going to be actually something we're going to be talking about soon, but the, what we have now today, the glimpse, the study they've been doing is this small little tiny section that the Hubble Space Telescope was able to take. It's just a small little section of this massive area, right? It just takes a small little picture, and in that, there is more that we're discovering than we ever thought possible to exist, right? I mean, the God that did that... The God who today, we're still discovering species of animals and plants and all kinds of things on this planet right here. There's still things that we've yet to discover. The God that is powerful enough and creative enough and, and, and is amazing enough to do those things knows me and cares for me. I mean, that blows me away. It puts me in a sense of awe and wonder. You know, today I was, uh, we were getting ready for service and, and uh, we we're getting things ready for the Discovering City Life class. And and Brayden has something that's been going on in his life. Brayden, if you don't know, he's my nine-year-old son who uh, is just an awesome kid. I love the kid um, so much. He's just such a unique individual. He's so passionate about life. And uh, we were in the car, and he's like, Dad, there's something I got to talk to you about. And I was like, yeah, what's up, man? And so he just started telling me, and that's a conversation for him, not for us. But <laughs> So he started telling me, and I was just so, oh, man, I just love that he was willing to talk to me about it, right? And it was just so amazing. And so we just talked through it, and, and uh, we just were able just to have a good conversation about it and really it just turned out to be a powerful moment and, and and we had to go to Walmart to buy the donuts and drinks for everybody and so we're in Walmart walking around and the whole time we're walking around brains just like love you dad and I'm like cool love you too buddy right and we're just going around and like dad I love you love you too buddy <laughs> right like 30 seconds dad you're the best dad in the world I love you so much and I'm like 
Love you too, buddy, <laughs> right? And it's just like, I mean, it was just lit the entire time. Like, I mean, there's a part of me just like, dude, I get it, right? <laughs> and just like, all right, whatever, right? But then it was, there's another part of me that was just like, oh my gosh, like that's exactly what I feel like when I'm in God's presence, right? That I stop and I realize that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he's not up there as some judgmental God that's waiting to crush me with some lava rock, right? That he's just like, he's a compassionate, loving, caring, it just amazing God who has a plan and a purpose for me. He has a place for me in his kingdom and it should cause me just to be like my little son today, right? Because I took a moment to say, dude, thank you for sharing that with me. He, he, he looked at it and it was a moment that he could have had a conversation with me and it could have been one that he came to with fear. It could have been one that he came to with like, oh my gosh, I just don't know if I should bring this up or I'm, I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed. He didn't have any of those. He came to me freely and he talked about it and I responded with love and I responded with understanding and I helped him to see something that he couldn't see and what had happened in him, oh, I love you so much. So much awe, just so much like, Dad, you're such a good dad. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm really not, right? <laughs> if you just knew what was going on in my head right now, I wanted to, like, you know, just throw you down the aisle because you wouldn't shut up, right? <laughs> but uh, that's awesome, right? And so, like, I mean, there's this sense that we've just got to be in this place of awe and just wonder of who God is. And if we live there as a Christian, if we live there as a follower of Christ, man, it just makes life with him. It makes following him that much easier because it's not looking and saying, what are these rules that I have to do? But it's just saying, what's this life you've given me to do? And that's what it's talking about in Romans, that Jesus came so that we can have life and we can have life abundantly, John 10, 10 says. And that's not the sense of, what are these rules? What are these things that I have to do? What, what do I do so that I can be defined by these rules? It's, I'm defined by Jesus and the life that he has and because I'm I'm free to live in him. I'm able to do what he wants me to do, right? Man, none of that was in my notes. All right. So the importance of fellowship. Listen, so, and Pastor Fred, he talked about this last night too. They're going through uh, the pathways there at at their campus um, and and walking through that. And and he talked about this last night. And um, is that these pathways, there's, there's not one that's greater than the other. And there's not one that if you just get this one, then it's going to make sense for all the other ones. And, and at the same time, I, I would add this to that is, is that there's a sense that these pathways, we, we like that word pathways because they are, they're, they're places where we can just start walking and they're not these things where it's just like you have to do because if you just don't do them, right? It's these things that God's just saying, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to connect with me. I want to give you an opportunity to be in my presence. I want to give you an opportunity to hear. I want to give you an opportunity to be active in my kingdom, right? These are the things that he's given us to do, and there's something that we, he's given us freedom to do, and we should look at them with excitement, and we should look at them with this, this sense of just like, I can't believe I get to do this stuff, Right? I, I get to do these things, and, and, and I, I mean, this is so much fun, and I, I have no clue if I'm going to stick to my notes today. So, um, but, you know, I just even think of last night, just the opportunity, just last night, we got to pray with a couple people, and, and just in that moment, I'm sitting there as I'm praying with them, and it's just such a, it's a heartbreaking situation, their family, they're, they're praying for their older brother who's just going through some stuff, and, and we're praying, and, and, and my heart's going out to them, but I'm sitting there just jumping out of my skin because I'm like, I, I'm praying victory into their life. 
I'm praying hope into their situation. And, and this, is, this is like, I, I'm getting an opportunity, right, to speak to something that they're looking at as, as impossible and something is that they're looking at as, as, as sad and, and possibly just dead and gone, right? But I'm saying, no, with Jesus, there's life. Come on, God, reveal to us, right? Give us a sense of hope. Give us a place to go. Give us the words to speak. And I'm sitting there just like, I get to intermediate with God and these people, and I get to speak on his behalf. And who knows what can happen of that? And I'm just sitting there just saying, wow, in a year, in a year, I'm believing that this guy's going to be in church and his life is going to be restored. And I'm believing all this. Like, I'm sitting there just going, wow, this is not something where it's like, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to pray. I have to pray, right? I mean, because that's what we're supposed to do. So God, we come to you right now, God, and I pray that, you know, but no, it's just like, I come to him, I'm talking to God, and, and, and God is, is wanting me to talk to him, and God's wanting me to interconnect with these people, and he wants me to do life with them, and he wants me to care as much as they care, and as we come together and we say, God, we don't know what to do, you do it, God starts doing stuff, and we're supposed to believe in that, and we're supposed to, to, to say, you know what, <laughs> this prayer, it, it's going to make a difference, not because I prayed it, right, or not because, because whatever, but because God cares, and God wants to answer, and God wants to do the miraculous, right? Ah, oh, good stuff, all right. So fellowship. Because I'm just not done with the prayer one yet. I don't know. All right. So fellowship. There's three things that we're going to walk through real quick. So I talked about uh, relationship, service, and accountability. Those are the three pathways that we have. And so we've talked about and we've asked the question for each one, what's the importance of and, you know, what's the importance of read scripture, what's the importance of prayer? So I ask this question is, what's the importance of fellowship? What's the importance of relationship? What's the importance of doing life together in a community? What, what's the importance of, does it really matter? Does it make a difference in my discipleship, my process of becoming more like Christ, my, my process of following him? Does it really matter that I be in fellowship with people? Does it matter that I come together in church? Do those things matter? I don't think there's another way I can ask that question, so we're gonna move on. So here's the point that I'm gonna work off of, and we're gonna just work through three things here quickly, is that when you ask the question, what is the importance of fellowship? I would say this, is that our sense of connection and love for other believers and his church is a proof of our salvation. Our sense of connection and love for other believers and his church is a proof of our salvation. Now, this isn't in my notes, and this is something that I was thinking about during worship, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, is, is that this morning I was sitting here and just praying for the service and praying for things and just praying in worship, and, and, and I just thought about the reality of the relationships of people that I, of, of relationships that I have with people in this room, in God's kingdom and his church. And I think about those relationships and I think about how many more people as a minister now for almost 13 years that I've seen people isolated and I've seen people broken and I've seen people declare that they're a Christian and they're a follower of Christ, but I've seen an incapability and incapacity and undesire just just issue where they just don't even want to connect with other believers. And and when I say this, I, I say it with... I say it with caution, and I don't say it with judgment, I say it with love, but man, as, as follower of Christ, should we not be that much more able to develop meaningful relationships than other people in the world? 
As, as the church, should we not come together with a sense of love and affection and excitement and passion to be together? Should it be not so natural and so real that we can't help it, right? I mean, when we come in and people are just like, oh, it's a church, right? It's, it's a church, and so we should just all be kind of holy, and we should just all kind of just whatever else. Man, I, I just want to shoot that thing and that idea and slash it and kill it and burn it, right? And just be like, I want people to come in and just like, yes, I'm a little violent right now. But anyway, so I hung out with a bunch of guys for four days, right, who were all in the military. So um, <laughs> and we burned a lot of stuff. It was awesome. So, um, but like, I, I mean, I, I want the church to be a place when people come in that they see life because they see people doing life together. Right? I, I mean, there's a sense that, you know, that's what it should be, right? It's, it's the way it should be. We were talking with the Wilsons, you know, and they just had a bunch of people. They had 40-some people come over to their house one night, right? And we were just talking, like, this is it. This is the church, right? I mean, we are just together eating amazing food and getting fat together and having fun and burning stuff, right? It was awesome, right? Like that, I mean, there's a sense, though, it was not just like that was fun. There's a sense of connection. There's a sense of, like, this adds meaning to my life. And we should want that as a follower of Christ. We should desire that as a follower of Christ. And we should be able to see that we could have the most meaningful relationships with other believers in the church and around the world, right? That we do not have to be isolated. We do not have to live life alone. And we do not have to fix our junk, right? So that we can be friends with somebody else. We can bring our junk and somebody else brings their junk. And then Jesus comes in and fixes it all. And you find some of the best friends of your life. Man, that's what we should be as a church. That's what we should experience as the church, right? Okay, there we go. So our sense of connection and love for other believers in this church is proof of our salvation. And we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 to kind of dive into this idea here real quick. Because I genuinely believe that as a disciple, we are given the capacity for relationship where we can deeply love others. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 17, I'm going to read a good number of scriptures here, so please stick with me. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. So again, it's just assumed we're supposed to pray, right? That we do pray, that we spend time with him, right? That he doesn't have favorites, that it's not about how I pray or where I pray or when I pray or anything like that, right? That God listens to my prayers just as much as he listens to Celeste's prayers, right? As long as my heart says I want you and I want your will, that's all he asks for, Right? See, I just can't get off prayer. I don't know. <laughs> he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. Whole nother scripture we're not even going to get to today, but that's good stuff. Verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. 
Man, this is a, an amazing thing right here. And it shows that as a follower of Christ, that I have the capacity for relationship. Another thing that I love about this is that this shows the progression of discipleship. It shows this process that we are growing in our relationship with God, that we discover more in him. And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, hey, I haven't been a Christian long, you know, and I'm still trying to figure out a bunch of stuff. I don't know if I'm ever going to get past the state because there's just a lot I got to figure out, right? I'm telling you, it's a process, right? That, that, that is following Christ. It's not an instant, just all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I'm perfect today, right? One day we will all be a Celeste, right? And we hope that, right? I'm just having fun. So, right? I mean, we just, you know, like that's going to, it's, it's a process for us to get there. It's a journey for us. There are things that we have to experience and go through. There are step backs that we have to take. There are step forwards that we take. It's a process, right? Now, I want one commentary um, that he did an awesome job and he connected this verse and we're going to jump over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, he connected the verse that we just read in 1 Peter 22 with 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And many of us know the scripture. It says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. A brotherly affection with love for everyone. Here, if we read this scripture and the other scripture, what we can do is, is that we can actually look at these scriptures and where it speaks here in this scripture of knowledge and where it speaks in the other scripture of obeying truth, we can interchange those. And what we see is, is we see this progression. We see this process that happens in our lives that when we say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm all in for Jesus, right? I'm team Jesus, right? He's my Lord and he's my savior, right? He's my savior. He's my master, right? He is my friend and he is my king. When we say that and we step into that place and that relationship with Jesus, that we are changed on the inside, right? We are made new. We are new people, but we still got some stuff we got to work through yeah. right you guys with me and so theological word stuff right that's a good one right, right there right but there's stuff that we still got to work through it's this progression and we see that as we begin to move into him and so as we walk through the scripture in the view of this make every effort to respond to God's promises so God promises life to us through Jesus Christ we respond to that yes he is Lord right and so our faith that is given by him, right, it's, it's something that's given, and we begin to change as people. We care about things that we didn't care about, right? We start to see that morality is coming out, right? We care about our words, maybe, or we care about other people more, right? We don't drive as fast, or who knows, right? We don't at least cut off the grandmas, right? Because driving fast is not a sin. But anyway, so, um, and so you go through, so this moral excellence, right? And you replace that moral, or you advance from that moral excellence to knowledge, this knowledge of that it's not you doing things. This is knowledge of it's not what you can do is this knowledge of who God is, is this sense of obeying truth that the truth of Jesus Christ is, is that he's given us life and he's given us life abundantly and then if I look to him and I walk in him then he gives me everything that I need, right? That because he died on the cross and came back, he's given me
me his spirit and his spirit gives me the words to say. His spirit gives me the places to go. It gives me the things that I should do, right? It's a sense of knowledge, a sense of obeying truth. God, I just want to be with you. God, I want to do what you want me to do. God, I want to say what you want me to say. I just want to be present with you. I want to experience you. I want to do life with you. I want you to be my life. And when you're in that place, that's your knowledge. That's the truth that you're obeying and you're walking in with that. Then you begin to see the sense of self-control, self-mastery. You begin to experience, you know what? Life's not about me, right? That's one of the funnest privileges we have as parents to teach our kids, right? The world doesn't revolve around you, right? And we've got to learn that lesson ourselves, and it's a lesson that we have to continually learn. And so the sense of self-control, it's not about me. It's not about what I want, but it's about what God wants, and it's not about what I need. It's about what he needs of me, and what he's given me is something that I can give to somebody else, and that's what they need. It's a sense that we begin to become less self-aware, and we begin to become more aware of others, and so there's the self-control that comes on. And with the self-control, we begin to be patient. How many of you like some more patience in life, right? Your patience, right? And you start beginning to calm down and just live life the way you're supposed to. And this patient endurance is godliness. So you sense you're just, you're walking with, you're walking with God and you're experiencing him. And, and there's a sense that you're just like, ah. Oh. It's not like people look at you and it's like, oh, that's a holy person, right? That's not a person. Look at them, right? They're just perfect, right? Chuck a donut at them, right? <laughs> It's a sense that you're just, it's this confidence that you're just with God and God's with you and, and you're committed to him and you want to live for him, right? That's a sense of godliness. And that godliness, a sense of presence, guess what? So you are now are in control of yourself, right? You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about God. What happens next in both of these scriptures? The response is, is that we love the church. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ with a deep, it says here in 2 Peter, brotherly affection. You know what that is? You love people like their family, right? You love people like their family, right? I mean, do you understand what that means, right? Just think about Thanksgiving, right? You love people like their family, right? So what does that mean for us? If you love somebody like family, there's this instant connection, Right? I remember as a kid when I would, uh, when I, we were a little bit, you know, probably six, seven, well, no, I was around 10. And I remember that we moved to Virginia at that point uh, from Oklahoma. Um, which I thank my parents all the time for doing that. But uh, we moved out to Virginia, and, and I remember it was the first time that I met uh, my dad's side of the family, all my cousins on my dad's side of the family, and the first time at least that I can remember. And so I remember meeting my cousin, and, and him and I still today are friends, and, and uh, there's just a sense of instant connection. It, it wasn't like that's just another kid on the street. That was family right? And, and all the things that normally come up with trying to make friends and all that stuff, like that just stuff just didn't even matter because you were family. There's just a sense of instant connection. I, I can tell you when Michelle and I, we moved here to City Life Church and, and we came across from Missouri, right? Which I, we're trying to avoid the Midwest and keep getting brought back out there, but hopefully we're here good now, right? And, and so, you know, I remember coming out here to City Life and, and meeting people. There's a sense of instant connection because it wasn't, I don't know who you are. It's, a, hey, you and I got the same dad, there's a sense of there's something that we share that's bigger than you and I. There's this instant connection. 
Have you discovered that with people? Have you, have you sensed, is, is God in a place in your life? Is there the sense of God is your father, that he's your king, so much so that he's your identity, that when you see other people that say, yeah, I'm team Jesus, well, there's this instant connection. There's this, this identity that, hey, you and I, we're in this thing together, right? We love people like a family. You know what that also means is that there's an allowance for differences, right? We all have it, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Aunt Wanda over there. Yep, that's just what she does, <laughs> right? Right, we allow for differences, right? But if somebody was to come and attack Aunt Wanda, we'd stand up for Aunt Wanda, right? But come on, in the church, right? When Aunt Wanda's sitting in the church and we see somebody attacking Aunt Wanda in the church, we just let Aunt Wanda sit over there by herself, right? There should be the sense that we care for each other. That we, we feel each other's love. We feel each other's pains. That we want to do life together. with. There's a sense that there's this connection. There's a sense that there's this, this sense that we, man, I'm just, I, I'm his child and you're his child. And you know what? You're a little bit different. But you know what? I love you anyways. Because you're looking at me and you're probably thinking, you know what? You're a little bit different, right? You know, the crazy cat lady with 15 cats, she thinks we're all weird, Right? Right, because we don't have 15 cats, right? It, it's all different. Maybe I shouldn't have gone there. But anyways, thirdly, <laughs> when you love somebody as a family, there's a commitment beyond acceptance. You don't just accept somebody's stuff and say, yeah, that's just them. But there's a commitment that you say, God, is there something that you can use in me or through me to help them in their stuff? God, I'm, I'm completely open to that their stuff might be something that helps me get through my stuff. That there's this commitment that if we're doing life together, if we are committed to godly relationships together, that God uses the relationships in the church to take us and put us in the place that he wants us to be. To take that step on the pathway of being connected with him, of knowing him, of knowing his character more, of knowing his, his heart more. He being able to be in that place where we're just saying, I just I wanna do what you're doing, I wanna say what you're saying, and I think I know how I can do that. Because we're connected, we're in relationship. So relationships are also, this is my second point, relationships were given to us as an opportunity to serve in his family. Romans chapter 12, verse six, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Romans 12, verse nine, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Man, that's, that's the type of love that God wants us to have for each other. That's the type of relationship that he wants us to be in. He wants us to be in a relationship where we're just like, whoa, God, he's so awesome. He's so amazing. Like, I just want to wear his jersey all the time. Like, I just want to sing his songs all the time. I, I just love God so much. And when we start seeing that, he begins changing us and shaping us. And when we begin to get changed and we start seeing things change in us, it should respond us to say, I want to serve. I want to connect. I 
want to be in relationship with those other people that know him. Because when they are his and I am his and we're together, we get to know him in a whole new level, right? And man, I, I just want to be in relationship with his children. I want to be in relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I just want to connect with them because he's connected with them and it just matters. And when you do that, it gives you an opportunity and it sets you up to begin to be in a place where you're serving. You're serving each other. Jesus came and he was asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then, right, he said, and to love others as you love yourself. But then he goes on and a little bit later, he's asked again, hey, you know, so what's, and he changes it up a little bit and he says, you know what, you should love others as I've loved you. He ups the ante. And he's saying again, all through scripture, as you look through scripture, that when you discover me and you enter into a relationship with me, that that relationship, it changes you and everything about you. That it becomes, that I become your focus, I become everything to you. That I'm not just something that, I, that you add to your life. I'm not just something that you put up on the shelf and take down when you want. I'm not just a hobby. I'm not just something that you do on a day. I am your life. And as you move into that place, guess what you mean less and less and less to yourself because all you care about is what I care about and guess what I care about I care deeply about people I care deeply about people getting connected with me and loving me and serving me and knowing the plans and purposes I have for them and doing life in me that's what I care about and you're just like well where am I at in this whole picture guess where you're at in this whole picture when you become less and less guess what you begin to discover more and more of who you are because you get to discover more and more of who God is, and that's what we're here for. That's what discipleship is, is that we're becoming more and more like Christ. That's what he wants for us. That's his goal for us, is that we're like Christ, that we are living like him. And as we serve people sacrificially, we begin to discover more of who we are, and we get deeper connected and more intimately connected with God. And the whole cycle starts over, and guess what? It starts becoming fun. You start getting lavish in how you serve people. You start just doing crazy, stupid stuff, because you're just like, I just want you to know who Jesus is and how great he is and how much I love Jesus. You're the one that's walking through here, and people are like, I want to throw a donut at that person, right? But at the same time, they're saying, I want to talk to that person. I want that person to pray for me, right? I want that person, I want to be like that person, right? And that begins the promise that we have, right? That when we follow Christ, that we're going to help others follow him as well, right? That there's a sense of connection, that our relationship with God should move us into the sense of serving others, which responds into relationship with them and helps them discover who God is. It helps us to grow. It's all that God has for us that he wants us to do. Erwin McManus, one of my favorite Speakers that I listened to, he said, God wants to heal the world through the talents and gifts in us. He wants to heal the world by what we have to give others. You heard Pastor Fred maybe last week say it, and if you didn't, I'll say it again because it was so profound, is that you need the deposit that God has put in others, and we need the deposit that God has put in you. Listen, what does all of that mean? It means that you have something to bring to this family. You have something to bring to the family of God, to the church of God, that if you are a follower of Christ, you're a disciple of Christ, you have something that we need. 
And for many of us, we sit in a place and we're like, what can I do? What do I have? And we feel no sense of self-worth or self-value. We feel no sense of commitment. We feel no sense of, of, of requirement. And we, so we sit isolated. We sit just by ourselves, devoid of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit because we've allowed ourselves to believe a lie that we have nothing to add and that nobody else has anything that can help us. And that God is distant and God is gone and he doesn't care. And the truth of the matter is, is that God is real. God is present. He wants you to step into the life that he has. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be present with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to, in your midst of your trials, be there with you. He wants to help you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be everything to you. And in the midst of that, he wants you to see that he's called you to be something and to do something in this world, not to be something that is waiting for something to happen. That a disciple is a follower. You're walking on the path that he's given you. You're walking on the journey that he's set up before you. And that journey is the one that Jesus has already walked and he's sitting there and he's saying, come with me, I'm here, help you. I want you to experience this. And when you begin to serve others and you begin to see that God's given you an opportunity and a capacity to be in relationship with other people and that when you start understanding that and desiring that and living that out, that you begin to give things to people, serve people, you begin to think less of yourself and guess what? You begin to find more of yourself. You're looking for something. You're looking for an answer. And my I'm just telling you, I say this to people all the time. I ask people, all, I'm just, I just feel lost. I don't feel like I'm connected to God. I just don't feel like, I'm just like, great. Are you spending time in his presence? I don't care what that looks like. I don't care how that looks. Are you spending time in his presence, right? Like, are you saying, God, I want you? In some way, are you saying that? And oftentimes people are like, yeah, I mean, the best that I can, the best that I know how. I'm like, great, we can work on that. Second question then is, are you serving somewhere? Are, are you giving of yourself beyond your desires for the benefit of somebody else? And I'm telling you, how many times that answer is no. And the people that say no and they realize that's missing and they jump in and they start serving in the church, they start serving in their community, they start serving their family, Right? They start serving their spouse. They start serving in the ministries that God's placed them in. They start serving. Guess what they start seeing? Wow, there really is hope. There really is joy. There really is peace. Wow, there really is. Why? Because they're giving. They're imparting. And guess what? As you give, as you breathe, as you impart, guess what God's doing to you? He's giving to you. He's imparting to you. He's breathing life into you. That's the way God works. Right? Come on, that was really good and you're all quiet. All right, lastly. And worship team can come up with this. So as a disciple, we're given the capacity for relationships. And through our relationships, we're given the opportunity to serve in a family. As we begin to discover those relationships and connect in those relationships, and we begin to serve in the family of God, we begin to open ourselves up to grow in God's grace. And this is a sense of accountability. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The very thing that you're probably missing in your journey with God, if you feel like you're missing with one, is somebody else that can come along and say, hey, shouldn't have said that. Hey, let me speak some truth to you. What you did here in this moment 
it didn't make Jesus shine. It made you shine. And the disconnect that you're feeling right now is the fact that you didn't point to your life source. You pointed to you. That's not the way God's got things worked out. When you've got a friend that's willing to step into your life and say those things, I can't tell you the things that you can avoid. And there's been times that I've had people around me and, and Michelle and I as we're, you know, when we were first newly married and, and, and going through our journey and, 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 and I would have leaders in my life, I'd have mentors in my life that would be like, hey, the way you just looked at her, the way you just got frustrated, let me tell you what that's going to end in. And then they lived out this model of what they should be and what I should do as a husband. And it sharpened me. It changed me. I know it had helped me avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of pain because I had a friend that was there to make me more like Jesus. And I was there to help them become more like Jesus. And sometimes the very thing that you have to add is that you help somebody that's further along in the journey be reminded of all of God's grace and how he's helped them to grow. And then they get to be to you this opportunity, this, this chance, this glimpse into the window of like, I'm not gonna always be this person. I get to grow. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Man, when we're connected with God and we're committed to the relationships that God's given us, I'm just telling you, there's nothing that's impossible. Because I believe that as God's word says, that when we're committed to him, when we're looking to him, when we're chasing after him, and we're saying, God, whatever you have is what we want, that God does miraculous, eternal things in our midst and through us. And as we're participating in those, and as we're committed to those, and as we're walking those things out, that God is just speaking to us, and he's changing us, and he's making us something that he wants us to be. He's making us more like him, and we just discover this whole new arena of life that we never thought we could have before with friendships, family, connections. We find all these meaningful things happen, and when that starts happening, guess what, man? People start serving, and they just start doing crazy things. You look at the church in Acts, man. They're selling their houses. They're selling their property because they're like, that person's hurting. I'm just going to give up everything because I care more about them than I do about me. And I know that if I care about them that way, that somebody else is going to care about me that way. And I just want somebody to know that God loves them and he gave everything for them. And I realize that, so I want to do the same. And we start living that way. I'm just telling you what, it becomes explosive. It becomes contagious when we're committed to that. And as we're doing that, we're walking through life and it's like, hey, you know what? You can do more. You can do more, right? And then the person say, hey, listen, you can do more. You can do more. And guess what? We're participating and we're actively doing things that are beyond our imagination. Because we're not just coming together at church and saying, there's God, there's me, and there's Aunt Wanda. But we're looking and we're saying, God loves me. And he loves me so much and I'm in a relationship with him. He's given me an opportunity to know him and know his grace and know his goodness through others. And as I give myself to him, I get to know him more and more. And I just find that I just can't outgive God. I can't outgive him, right? And how much fun is that? How much fun would it be if somebody just came and said, hey, I just want you to spend $100 million in this one day. I mean, you would go stupid. I'd just be throwing money out the windows, right? Just because, right? Just going crazy, right? Walking through Walmart and just slapping cash just on the registers, you know, just pay for how many ever you can, just whatever else. Man, that's the life that God wants us to live. 
Because when you realize what he's giving you, it moves you to this place where you're not self-aware, but you're aware of his presence. And when you're aware of God's presence, you're open up to his kingdom. And his kingdom is an abundant kingdom of life and joy. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we take a moment here. I just feel so pressed right now that if there's anybody in this room, say I'm missing a super big component of that factor of of this conversation, Pastor Jamie. When, When I hear you talk, the first thing that I realize is missing is that relationship with God. God to me is somebody that I don't have a relationship with and God to me is somebody who I don't feel like that I can connect with because I don't feel like I can connect with God. I don't feel like I can connect with others. If you find yourself in a place today and you say, hey, listen, I hear you talking, man. I hear the sense of hope and joy and peace and and relationship and healing. And and I hear the sense and I hear the words that are coming from scripture of this whole life, this real life, this eternal life. There's something inside of me that's like, I want that. I just want you to know that that is available to you, that is free to you through the goodness and the grace of God because Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life. And he died a death that you and I deserved on a cross. And he was risen from the dead so that you and I could have a life that only he deserves. Each one of us, we are separated from God because of our sins, but through Christ, he's able to connect us and rejoin us with our creator, with our father. He makes all things whole with God. And as he does that, he begins to make all things whole in your life. That's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus does. And this morning, if you say, hey, I need that Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand, say, Pastor Jamie, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sins and I need to be made right with him. If there's anybody in here all tonight, don't be ashamed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Doesn't matter how long you've said, I've been a Christian. If you in your heart right now, you know. Just say, I need them. Is there anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right, I see that one answer. All right. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, church. If y'all can look at me. For each one of us, here's what I want us to do. Is I want us to step out and I just want us to sing a worship song. And I just want us to, to walk out of this place with the sense that we're connected with God and that through that connection with God, that there's so much more that he wants of us. And that that not be overwhelming to you, but that be exciting and amazing to you because you see that he's given you a way to that more, right? And that when you step on that way, that you begin to discover that you have more than you could ever imagine and that you can't give it away fast enough. And that the relationships God has for you are ones that can restore you, help you to heal. You look at the hopelessness of maybe some of your relationships. I'm just telling you, if you understand and stand all of who God is and you just desire to be in his presence and connect with him only, God will begin to work in you and he will begin to restore and bring healing to any relationship that you have.
I know it to be true. I've seen it happen. Don't run from fellowship. Don't run from God's relationships that he has for you. Run to him. Desire that relationship more than anything else. Be open to the relationships he wants to put in your life. Find somewhere to serve. Find somewhere to give. Find somewhere just to say, God, I want to be used because I'm not going to be depleted. I know that I'm going to get, and I want to be in that, and I don't care about getting. I just want to be with you, right? And as you do that, you're going to step into this place where you're going to see God doing things, speaking to you, and you are going to grow in a way that you've never imagined that you could grow. That's what God has for us. God, may it be so. May your words ring true in our hearts. God, may we walk out of here with faith, excitement, and anticipation. God, may we run to you, desire you, look to you, hope in you, only want you, and believe that because of Jesus, all things are possible. Lord, we love you. In the name of Jesus, stand with me and let's worship.